Hello there and welcome to a special edition of the T20 Blast podcast. It's special for two reasons. One, there's no Cam McFarlane on the show. It is just me, Jada Theaton. Hope you're doing okay. But secondly, it's because we have our very first guest on the pod for you today, this episode that you're listening to. It is TMS commentator and Bears Den TV host on the Warwickshire County Cricket Club YouTube channel, Artif Nawaz. Now, myself and Artif sat down for what felt like five minutes. It was about a half hour chat. We genuinely could have chatted for an hour and a half about the state of white ball cricket in particular. You'll hear from him as he talks about the T20 Blast and why he loves this competition and what he thinks that could be happening in the future as white ball cricket and in particular franchise cricket becomes more dominant. We hope that you enjoy this sit down chat. Here is Asif Nawaz. So we're delighted to have the very first guest on the pod and there's no one going to say that elsewhere. Atif Nawaz of TMS, off of Warwickshire Bears Den TV, off of pretty much everything at the moment, Atif. <laughs> Thank you so much for having a chat with us this afternoon. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jar. Anytime. Uh, and, and you'd be surprised how many podcasts I've been the first person on as well. So it's nice to launch another one. <laughs> oh, well, it's great. Well, it's great to have you with us. And we'll, we're, we'll paint you a picture, if you like, listener, of where we are at the moment. We're sat in one of the commentary boxes uh, at Edge Baston as we build up to the Bears against the Steelbags. Uh, this is days like this. The sun shines out. It's about 22, 23 degrees currently. Days like it currently is. It just makes, I think, everybody who loves cricket realise exactly why this is the best sport in the world. It's just a fantastic place to sit and watch a game of cricket. Yeah, Edgebaston is unmatched, really. It's got its own vibe. Like, I mean, every cricket ground is special in its own way. And I'm not saying it's the best ground in the world, but it's definitely one of my favourites. It's just... There's a very unique atmosphere, a unique vibe. I've had a chance to spend a lot of time here out of hours when there's not a lot of people here. And, you know, it's incredible. I've got great memories of here as well. I mean, just last year, finals day, I was sat in the same seat I'm in right now. Next to me was Robbie Vapara. And where you're sitting was Carlos Brathwaite. And we were commenting the T20 uh, final on finals day. So, um, yeah, I mean, Edgebaston is, is special. It is a special place. I, I, do you know what? We, I was going to talk to you about this later, but I want to talk about it now. I still remember sitting in the Holly stand, watching yourself and Melissa Story run around on the mascot race on finals day in 36 degree heat as well. Talk about that, because that must have just been an amazing experience. It was a really cool experience, but I remember I was really uh, sort of self-conscious about it because... I remember it was a really hot day. I always usually wear jeans on informal days and trousers on days where you need to be more formal. But like it was really hot. So I'd worn shorts. The first time ever I've worn shorts on a working day of, at cricket. And uh, and they were like these fancy sort of designery ones. And uh, I, I said to Melissa Storm, like, what do you think? Are they cool? And she's like, they look a bit like sort of what you find in the lost and found in your, in your <laughs> PE teacher's cupboard. I'm like, I paid like a good amount of money for this. Anyway, so yeah. we were doing that. And then uh, Adam Mountford, the producer of Test My Special, he said, uh, right, I want you guys to run around with the, with the mascots for the race. And I said, that sounds good. It'll be really exciting. It'll be fun. Of course, I didn't realise at the time that we've got to have this mic pack. There's two of them because you've got one for your headset mm. and one for your mic. And they're both attached to you and you have to hold them. So I'm running in these shorts. I've got two sets of mic packs, which I'm holding whilst I'm holding a microphone as well. And I'm trying to keep pace with 22-year-old Melissa Story. Yeah. And I am not 22. And, uh, and I'm trying... just 25. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Nobody needs to know. I've managed to delete the information from Wikipedia. Yeah. But I mean, like we're running around. It was, it was great fun. And I listened back to the commentary. I really enjoyed uh, sort of listening back to it. It was good fun. But like the logistics of it, I don't think people appreciate. Holding on to mic packs and running 
is a it's it's an extreme sport. Yeah, I mean, can we, are we expected to see you then in about a month's time heading out the same thing on Finals Day 2023? I hope so. I'm going to be better prepared this time. So I'm going to fashion some kind of utility belt type thing and maybe some double-sided tape or something, but I'm going to make sure I'm set for it. Every day's a school day, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Every day's a school day, definitely. I, I mean, days like Finals Day as well. I mean, I, I've been to about... 12, 13 of them personally, myself. I'm sure you've been wow. to uh, many of them as well. Uh, you'd be surprised how few I've been to, but, but yeah. But, <laughs> well, this is what happens when you have Edge Baston on your doorstep. Eight, really. 12, yeah. yeah <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but I, I still remember going to the first ever one at Trent Bridge as a kid, 2003, and, and that was where I fell in love with, with T20 cricket. That was the year where it, where it came in. And the blast as a whole has just become... The, the dominating factor, really, in the county cricket calendar. I mean, the crowds, the, the the music, the everything about it, the marketing in particular when it first came out, it was done to that new fan. And you can see that over the 20 years that it's been there, it continues to do that job of hooking that new fan into the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting format. You've got players from all over the world. You've got sort of local heroes. And what I love about the sort of 18-club setup, and people always think of it as a detriment, how do you promote 18 clubs? Well, they've all got their own sort of dedicated fan base, their own stories, their own, you know, club legends and things like that. And you have what I love is stories of sort of older players uh, doing really, really well. And you have, you know, players in their 40s who still, you know, put through put in these heroic performances, perhaps for, you know, the last times in their careers. Like, there's a real sort of mythological element to the T20 Blast, which I like. And, and I loved it from the beginning. I mean, I remember how, when it started years ago and they called it the 2020 Cup. Yeah, that's and right. And you had, you had sort of jacuzzis and hot tubs by the boundary. That's the only thing I missed from those days, to be yes, honest with you. Yes, I agree. I think that's the only thing missing at Edgbaston. We'll have to have a word with somebody here to maybe stick a little hot tub, maybe just in front of the sound tent. That'd be good. That, that would be lovely, actually. Or maybe, I'll tell you what, you know when the bungee goes off on finals there? Yeah. Maybe have shots of the jacuzzi then as well, like full-on like the Gabba at Brisbane, yeah. have their own swimming pool there, potentially. Do you know, we almost had a chance to do that last year as well with the bungee thing, and we were going to record it for, for Test Match Special, but um, it was just a resource and timing yeah. situation. It was quite far away from where we were as well, and um, we wanted to get all sorts of stuff on finals day. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's so cool. Like, it's just a great competition. That atmosphere, not just finals day, but throughout, I really enjoy it. You know, people often look at the negative side and say, oh, well, there's like, they couldn't sell out this and they couldn't sell out that. But what you forget is there's still sort of 11, 12, 13,000 people turning up to watch a domestic T20 match mm. whilst there is a high-profile test series taking place in the country as well uh, and another one to come. So, you know, people talk about the cost of living in England and, you know, like, you've got to start thinking about what match you can afford to go to, which match you can't. And some tests are more expensive and some games are more expensive. Day one at Lords is 160 quid or something absurd like that. So despite that, to pull in the crowds that they do, particularly here at Edgbaston, but not just here, at other grounds as well, uh, I think it just shows that it's kind of, it's it's a really resilient game. And the the reason for that is it has this extraordinary appeal that I think goes undervalued sometimes. I mean, let's talk about that because obviously the big change that's happened two years ago that came in the last year and it's now still here really is that it's moved now in the blast because it was, well, it was initially the whole summer from May through until August and September and then it was shortened a little bit to July and September when the World Cup was on in 2019 but now it's been moved into this block between May and July and we'll come on to the reason as to why I'm sure a little bit later I appreciate for some listeners that word is a swear word <laughs> however do you like that it's currently in the format that it is because I, I like the fact that it's been shortened rather than throughout the whole summer because it means that all the international players in particular that come here either straight off the IPL or who don't play in the IPL 
can then just come straight into another seven week tournament and we're not and for the average cricket fan for people who don't really follow the sport it's quite nice to be able to do it in that condensed plot because they can then see after six seven weeks they know who's won and they know who's won the trophy rather than starting it in the end of the beginning of may and not having finals day till the, the august bank holiday or late september like there's things about the current sort of schedule that work no doubt about it and other people complain about it not being in the height of summer but i think if you scheduled it well you'd be fine with that if you had evening starts generally you'd still get the kids from school if you do the deal you, you know the the kind of the marketing and the outreach to the local schools and things like that, you'd still get a lot of young people attending. And I, I think that's still doable despite the time of year. I don't think the time of year is a big issue. But I've long been a proponent for a longer blast. Like, I know there's logistical reasons why. I think it's worth exploring them personally. I, I mean, I've talked to you about this off air as well before. Like, I, wanted to, I want a 60-day blast, mm. right? I appreciate that makes it difficult for some overseas players to commit for the whole thing. But you already have a situation where overseas players and even some sort of England players can't commit to the whole thing. But if you have a longer blast, you make each game feel more like a premium event, which it deserves to. I don't think eight games on at the same time does the, talk, does the game any service. Like, I'm flicking mm. tabs and streams and I've got to find 15 devices to watch all the games. Like, I want an individual game on a mainstream stream broadcaster every single day for 60 days you everybody plays everybody it's 153 matches two games a day uh, at least one of them is live on television three on the weekends and you get through it in two months and you really sell it as one of the premium t20 competitions in the world as it deserves to it's in england we've got some of the best stadiums in the world some of the best atmospheres best crowds uh, best players in the world as well and the depth and history to to mark it, but you've got to get behind it and really push the blast. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, the T Twenty Cup, as you mentioned, the Twenty Twenty Cup was the original one. It was the one that started it all, and now obviously it's taken off, and T Twenty's become a mind like a mind blowing way of selling cricket. I, do you think though? Uh, I will mention the H word. Do you think though, with the hundred where it is now, obviously in the height of summer in August. Do you think that it's possible to market the blast from May to July and then have the 100 currently where it sits? Well, they have to find a way to do that, regardless of how we feel about it. They're committed uh, via broadcast deal to the 100 until 2028. And I don't dislike the 100. I actually, I, you know, I enjoy working on it. I think there's there's certainly loads of positive, positive elements of it, particularly at various grounds where you see a really diverse turnout. I really like that. I like that people feel welcome. Now, you could ask the question if you focused your marketing uh, that you're focusing for the 100 on the T20 Blast, would you get the same outcome? You could ask that question. Yeah. But the data that we have points to the fact that it is pulling in good crowds and it has been doing okay. I know there's questions over the financial mark. Like now, the thing is, I, I can't, I'm not gonna stand here and say, get rid of the 100. Uh, it's done some wonderful things and it's achieved some wonderful things. And, and most importantly, they can't get rid of it until 2028. But what I would like to see is just more respect for the T20 Blast. Like you've got to find a way to market the tournament as equal to uh, the hundred. I, I like. I refuse to accept this narrative that the world, or you know, international or broadcasters or the average Joe public in Britain can't understand the the eighteen teams. Like I, I can't get my head around that. Mm. Like okay, maybe that's my skewed way of thinking, and they've done their research, and you know, I, I, I think most people, cricket fans in this country. Like, they can get behind 18 teams. They know what's going on in Durham, in Glamorgan, in Derbyshire. Like, they know what's happening in all these counties. They're across it. I know you're across it. I saw you the other day with your 65 tabs open on your on your computer. But, like, I, you know, I think 
they it just deserves a little bit more respect. Like mm. I, I I would like to see it given a bigger marketing budget. I'd like to see it given a bigger push. I'd like to see uh, the English Cricket Board, you know, think of it as one of the jewels in their crown. It doesn't matter if they want to market the hundred aggressively. Keep doing that, but make sure you give the blast the same level of respect. Because they did that for a while, didn't they? Like, obviously, they, 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 they put the T20 blast across the entire summer because they knew that's where their market was in order to make sure that the English cricket ran to a profit. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the, the, and, and, I, and I think I'm with you that if there were some more respect on it, because, you know, there's the odd... You see the odd commercial here and there about the blast, in particular towards the start of May, but... As soon as the competition's on, there's only one thing that I always see up on my social feeds and on everything else, and it's all about the 100. And, you know, there's only eight teams in the 100. And I I always say this to people, that, you know, if you were a fan in Somerset, how are you then going to go and watch Welsh Fire 100 miles away? Mm -hmm. So if you were to to give it that same sort of... Because I I personally would have the Blast and the 100 on at the same time. That's what I'd like. Yeah, I guess I guess it's a logistical issue, and you know, like to be honest, when I'm working on the hundred, I'm very happy to promote it, to talk about it. I mean, I'm you know, it's my job, it's part of my job, right, to promote it, and I do enjoy it as well. I'm just looking at the big picture. Uh, I don't think you could play them necessarily concurrently. I think there's a better chance of playing the blast and the championship concurrently. Uh, especially if you st- switch to a structure where not every team is playing at the same time. So you like it's it's tricky to schedule, but there's people out there who are paid very good money to organise those schedules. I mean, you and I could sit and do it, right? We'll work it out. Yeah. But I'd like I'd like to see the blast and the and the championship played concurrently, uh, and there's less worry about securing overseas players on two months contract or whatever it is they need to to get them for. Like if they if they build it, they will come. If they continue to build the blast and invest in it and treat it like something that could be a big money spinner uh, for the English cricket board as it has been before you know it was the trailblazer Mm. you have no IPL you have no PSL you have no CPL if the 2020 cup hadn't happened Mm. like okay a little bit behind it now but like there's ways to sort of pull it back and anyway I just I get on my old I get kind of wound up about it I'm here on the soapbox (laughs) don't worry we're we're together on this soapbox there's no doubt about that you mentioned actually the IPL and you mentioned obviously the CPL and the Big Bash and all that sort of stuff and the PSL and the PSL of course as well Uh, we will talk about Pakistan cricket a little bit later because obviously they you know you you yourself as native Pakistani and obviously it's a massive thing for them to get to a World Cup final again uh, back in November last year. God, all, it feels like a million years ago. I know, ago. doesn't it? It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. But I, want, I do want to touch on this because obviously you've been working on the IPL for BBC Sport, for BBC Five Live uh, Sports Extra. The IPL, the, the bash, the big bash, the PSL, the CPL, I mean, there's a, I think there's the SA20 obviously as well. We can all see down the track where it's going. How long do you think it's going to be before we have... where? We all love county cricket here in England, but the, but the general trend is that franchise cricket is going to take, take control, essentially. How long do you think the tipping point is going to be before we have someone like a Joffre Archer who is going to be contracted 12 months by the Mumbai Indians or Joss Butler with the Rajasthan Royals who own all the other, all the other uh, franchises and then they maybe have the select window, like they have in football, they have the select window where they're allowed to play for the country again because it's a dangerous it's a dangerous time, I think, for people who, in particular in England, love their county cricket. I think that time's come and gone. Like, I think the the moment of the tipping point was when the IPL went to 10 teams and 
like now you have the 10 teams like it, let's be honest right if india wanted if the bcci and the ipl wanted they could run a nine month long competition and nobody could say what because like they've got the money they've got the finances they've got everything and they've got the justification that they've got the audience yeah. uh, engaged as well like where the bbc the, yeah, the bbc we feel obliged to broadcast it because we consider it the greatest t20 competition in the world uh with an asterisk about the involvement of Pakistan, which I'll have to throw in always. Yes, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I get, I understand that this is where it's going, and like the ownership thing is happening as well. With like, the, there's the Saudi league on the horizon as well. There's uh, Major League Cricket, which is going to kick off in America. Uh, there's obviously, as you say, the SLT20 and SAT20. I beg your pardon, and uh, the ILT20 as well. I mean, there's tournaments all around the world, and that will continue to happen. The way that cricket, sort of red ball cricket. Um, endures is by retaining that core audience. So instead of going out and hunting for, you know, like trying to sell the gospel, like focus inwards a little bit. There's people who adore the game of uh, Red Bull cricket and they want to keep watching and just put it on for them. Yes, cricketers over time will start thinking, okay, you know, I, I've got a short career and I need to maximize my earning potential and we can go to, and maybe I want to sign a white ball only contract. We see a lot of white ball only contracts in, in England already. But I think like, you know, there's a there's definitely an audience for that Red Bull game. And, and, and you know, we just have to understand that England is different to a lot of the world. Right in Pakistan, for example, white ball cricket subsidizes red ball cricket. If you, I mean, I was just there for the Test series. We got decent turnouts, but that's because it's England, right? England's a big draw around the world with their Test team. But if it's oh, I don't know, with the greatest respect, Sri Lanka or New Zealand or West just Indies. West Indies, just teams with smaller followings than England, smaller traveling followings, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna run into like you're gonna find it hard to sell that commercially, and that's kind of what where the game is at now. I think you just have to be pragmatic about it and not too idealistic. If the Red Bull game needs the White Bull game to subsidize it, make the smart choices, but continue to put that action on for the people who enjoy it. Like you and me, who love to watch four days of mm. Red Bull cricket. You know, it's one of my favorite things to watch. My favorite, one of my favorite things to broadcast. Yeah. But like, you have to consider that we live in a slight bubble outside of us. Things are going to be changing. Yeah. We have to be alive to that. Because obviously in the latest... FTP in the Future Tours program. I appreciate we're going off T20, but this is quite an interesting point that Australia, England, and India have all got themselves the only five test series that I can see on that Future Tours program is against them three and the big three that basically run the sport. It feels like in the ICC, you know, I, and and that's where do we then have that decision of okay if. T if countries don't want to play test cricket, that's fine. We can limit it down to maybe four, five or six or something like that. But as long as we have a, a healthy game for people to watch, because there's no you know, there's no secret where the ICC get them a lot of their revenue from. It's from broadcasting World Cups. That's why there's a World Cup every year in the, in the cycle or a Champions Trophy as well included in that. So m my guess is, is that the game is going to continue to evolve. The game is going to continue to be more dominated towards white ball because... That's where the dollar signs are. Oh, if, if I'm to like try and offer a little bit of a devil's advocate for the ICC, they do they have put on the World Test Championship now, which gives context yes. to some of those series. I, agree with that. I like I actually like the way they've weighted the point system as well. I think you know it's the best that they could do with the scenario being the way it is. Yes, you know the five match uh, Red Bull series happen only between specific countries because that's again again it feeds into the commercial reality of how the game is nowadays, but. Like, you know, that that's fine. Like, the rest of the world isn't going to stop playing Test cricket. They're just going to pick and choose how they do it. 
in Pakistan, you still have the best players in the world playing it. You know, you still, your Barbar Azam will still turn up. You know, Shaheen will turn up. He won't turn up in on the pitch they prepared in Islamabad, but he might turn up in other pitches. Yeah. Uh, and next summer, look, Pakistan's going to tour here in England yeah. and they're going to play the, the three-match test series. And, you know, like, it will be an intriguing contest. It won't be a case of, you know, like, the build-up won't be, oh, England against a half-motivated Pakistan team. That's not going to happen. They're going to come here to try and win a test series. Uh, it is not going to be the same as it was in the 90s, right? It's just not the same. Uh, that's just the reality of the game as we know it. The audience has swelled. The way the revenue comes from television has changed the way cricket is now thought of commercially. Uh, and, you know, yet does that, a lot of that is influenced by what's happening in India and the way they've sold the IPL. They can afford to put on as much test cricket as they want. I mean, they could put on anything they want. People will still turn up and watch, right? Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, n- now because of the commercial contribution to the ICC, like they now hold a lot of cards. And again, you know, it's very easy to sort of bag on the BCCI, but to their credit in this, they don't push that point home as far as they could. Yeah. They could insist on much more stuff based on their what they're putting to the table than they actually do. Uh, and I say that as somebody who broadcasts a lot of a lot a lot of IPL. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very long tournament. You, you have, yeah. I mean, did you, I think you were. I think, I think you, you certainly didn't have as long a beard, did you? When, <laughs> when the IPL started. Let's be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, I've had to get a few trims, <laughs> and I had to get a few trims during the IPL as well. I could imagine. I, I usually go during a strategic timeout because there's enough time. That is true. Absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, I, I want to touch on cricket in Pakistan, if I may, because it's it's fantastic to see the fact that they're able to play home games again properly at home because that as I was growing up you know I can really only remember there's only one series I can remember them playing actually England in Pakistan which was 2005 now obviously they had the 70-20s and then they've had the three test series which was brilliant I mean that I, mean, I don't know what it must have been like for you on that final day in the first test match um, but as a listener in particular TMS that was that was just an absolutely fabulous uh, listen uh, as a whole of the day what is it now like, do we think, in Pakistan? The crowds will obviously come back because it's that thing of they're not, they haven't seen their heroes play at home for so long. And obviously, we know the reasons why we won't go into it. But do we think that now people are starting to realise that actually, especially getting to a World T20 final last year uh, against England, it seems like Pakistani cricket really seems to be on the rise again. It is. It's never on the rise for a huge amount of time. There's always a new kind of obstacle, and I'll get to what that is currently. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. It was. It was very emotional for me, really. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm British, but of Pakistani heritage. Both my parents were born in Lahore in Pakistan, and yeah. like you know, it meant the world for me that we were going, and I really wanted it to be a success. And you know, I was really enthusiastic about being social and like trying to take like Jonathan Agnew, you know, Simon Mann, and he's also. I want to take them everywhere, right? And, uh, you know, I'd, like we, we had a, we had a great time. I was listening to Test Match Special the other day and, I, you know, um, uh, Agus was talking to the chief executive of the ICC and he had this wonderful comment about Pakistan, not just it being a successful tour, which it was, but also the fact that he had a wonderful time there. And it really meant something to me. It was like, you know, because people have had ideas about Pakistan in their head since all the unfortunate things that have happened in previous decades. But like... The truth is, as of sort of 20, 
19, it's been a reasonably safe place to go and play cricket. Sri Lanka, who were the last team to go and play, were the first team back. And I, was, I think it was a quite sorry to interrupt. I think it was a really, really important it symmetrical was. point at that point. It was. I mean, Sri Lanka's always been a great friend of Pakistani cricket. Uh, although there's a recent tiff, but we'll get to that in a sec. So they, you know, I mean, I was there. I was there on day one at Raul Pindi. Uh, which is a stone's throw from Islamabad, uh, the Ralpindi Cricket Stadium, which I always think of as the edge bastion of Pakistan, just because of the way it's laid out, right? And and the kind of atmosphere. I mean, they've got their own sort of Hollies thing going on <laughs> over there as well. And, uh, and, you know, it was a full house. It was really difficult. Now, bear in mind, when you come to a cricket match in England, at worst, you're going to have an awkward steward at a turnstile, right? And then you're in. In Pakistan, you're going to have to park your car miles away or and then walk for ages or take a crowded shuttle and get to the ground where you're going to be checked a few times. You're going to have to produce different kinds of paperwork to get yourself into the stadium. You put yourself through all of that. 15,000 people to put themselves through all of that to be there to watch the game. Uh, and it was incredible. And there was like the continuation of that. So Sri-, Sri Lanka came. Later on, Australia came, which was a big moment as well. And then when England came, this was a big thing. Because a lot of English players had been going for the Pakistan Super League, which, again, if we go back to T20, yeah. that's been the big, you know, the big way to get showcase Pakistani cricket in Pakistan. And, you know, last in the last edition of the PSL, something like 22 or 23 uh, British players went to Pakistan to participate. So there's already a great affinity for English players in Pakistan. They loved the idea of Joss Butler. I mean, Joss Butler didn't play any of the games in the T20 series, but he was still there because everybody realised how important it was for him to be there. Moen Ali, who's been, who's been there, I know he usually picks Bangladesh Premier League over PSL, but, you know, he's been there, they know who he is and they love to see him. You know, all these stars, Mark Wood got the superstar treatment out there, Jimmy Anderson, people had signs for Jimmy Like, they adore English cricket. Uh, in Pakistan and that's another reason why they sort of keep their eyes very closely on the the county championship and the T20 blast so many Pakistani cricketers come over here just to, just as English players come over for the PSL and and flourish and get that support and get that welcome and also just by the way improve their games as yes, well you know we saw I saw Shaheen hit a six to win a game for knots the other day I was like yeah. oh, that's something that didn't happen a few years ago I mean, you see Hassan Ali as well remember here in the Cannes Championship we haven't seen him bowl in in, uh, in, in the blast yet fingers crossed you at will time be, of recording at uh, the time of recording absolutely <laughs> but fingers crossed uh, we will see him soon uh, and obviously he, when he bowled against Kent here he took the winning wicket and he, he I'll never forget it he ran about halfway around the pitch and celebrated to about four men and a dog in front of the can- in front of the stand the people that were still here in the cold and the, in the and they were very, 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 very damp at that point with the floodlights on. But you're right, though, because, I mean, look, it, it, it's still a real shame that the, 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 the BCCI and the PCB aren't still on great terms because it would be, and I mean this, it would be fantastic to see India. We, 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 obviously, I don't want to go into the game between India and Pakistan in the in the MCG because I appreciate that was a little might have been a little <laughs> bit really bit difficult for you. But it's a great game as a spectacle. That was just unbelievable, and it's a shame that we only get to see that now in ICC events. And I would love to see the likes of Barbara Azam, Hassan Ali, Shine Shara Freedy, You know, loads more players as well in their IPL because it would only enhance the competition. I think. I mean, I think we'd all like to see that. I think there's a lot of people in India who'd like to see that too. But uh, the sad reality is that's not going to happen for the time being. Vice versa, you wouldn't get Indian players. Well, Indian players don't play anywhere no, other than India. Not. Never mind the, the Pakistan Which Super Which I League. think is a, is a hindrance to them. 
weirdly enough. There's a lot of Indian players that I've spoken to, and I won't name them, but I've spoken to them, and they've talked about being frustrated that even if they're not in the national setup, even if they're not getting picked for their their T20 franchise in the IPL, or even in the secondary T20 competition in India, they're not allowed to go out there and get a contract playing T20 cricket elsewhere in the world. They can get first-class contracts, in, but even then there's a lot of hoop jumping and, you know, like, it, I don't... I've ever told you this, Joe, I don't believe in NOCs. I don't no. think NOCs should, should be a thing. Like, cricketers, as prof- as professional sports players, as contract contracted sports players should be allowed to find employment wherever they see fit Mm. right you as an employer should have the right to not employ that person if they don't fit into your vision that's fine but to have this sort of like master ownership type system i hate this noc thing i know boards that have done this quite vindictively to players as well not necessarily in england England, in england where they've usually been quite good about it but there's other parts of the world where it's it's not been great i mean like as fans of cricket like we want to see the best players in the world playing against the other best players in the world mm. all we want is to watch cricket and to share this beautiful game with the rest of the world uh, with the re- with other fans uh, and all you want is an opportunity to be able to do that it would be wonderful if that could happen but you know getting them to play against each other is hard enough yeah. <laughs> never mind I mean we see with the world yeah. cup we see with the world cup schedule at this time of recording yeah. still hasn't been released and we're supposed to be in october it's supposed to be the world well there's cup. there's a few sort of yeah. points of interest there as well like yeah. pakistan's games have been suggested to take place in ahmedabad where they're uncomfortable owing to the political climate so they'd rather play their games elsewhere there's also the issue of india refusing to go to pakistan for the asia cup and also refusing to uh, endorse the hybrid model um, which was kind of it was a bit sneaky really because there was a meeting at the IPL final which the PCB the Pakistan Cricket Board couldn't attend obviously uh, between the Afghanistan Cricket Board the Sri Lankan Cricket Board the Bangladesh Cricket Board hosted by the Indian Cricket Board and once that happens you you know you start to think well you know that little conspiracy theory part of your brain starts <laughs> to take uh, take effect a little bit mm. I mean here's, here's a point though quickly because I, I just want to appreciate we've got, we've got to wrap up soon because we've got to go to a production meeting but I'll be brutally honest with you listener um, but I, I, I think that it would be amazing to see the like the Indian cricket board and the Pakistan cricket board go back towards each other as, as you said there obviously it, it's not going to happen but can you imagine someone like a Shubman Gill or a Virat Kohli coming over to England and being able to be picked up by a county can you imagine someone like a Hardik Pandya that would just be even even not just even England anywhere else in the world and it would actually help the development for playing in tournaments when they are not actually in India I appreciate a lot of tournaments are in India from the <laughs> ICC but it would be incredible wouldn't it? Yeah, of course it would I mean Yorkshire's close to Virat Kohli I mean because it's his uh, I believe it's his brother-in-law's uh, company who now are the title sponsor at Headingley. So there's a sort of link to Virat Kohli and I always sort of tease them every time I'm over there about, you know, when's Virat going to be opening the, the batting at Scarborough? Like, you know, I, I just, I have this vision of Virat Kohli batting at Scarborough. I'd love to see it. But Please. I, I, I mean, look, we'd all love to see Indian players play around the world. Like, in the short term, at least, it's not going to happen. In the short term, you're not going to have cordial relationships between the Pakistan Cricket Board and the and the uh, Board of Cricket Control in India, Board of Control for Cricket in India. And, uh, you know, I mean, the players all love each other, by the way. Like, I love it. Every time you see pictures of the players, also friendly, and they're making great content. And, you know, and the women's teams, they love each other as well. I saw this clip of, uh, in not the previous World Cup, but the one prior, where uh, the Pakistan women's team captain Bismama Roof, uh, captain at the time she had a baby with her she'd given birth and come back to play and her baby was with her at the tournament and all the Indian team were like huddled around the baby and it was already Fantastic. cute and sweet and uh, you know I, I love those enduring images like it shows 
like it goes beyond sort of political and 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 sort of cultural rhetoric like people like at their at their core i believe love each other and you strip away all the other nonsense and they just love each other at their core especially around cricket like we adore cricket cricket is like the best game like i mean i'm very biased i know it's very unpopular but t20 cricket is maybe my favorite format of the game like i've i've adored it since i've watched adam Hollyoak lift the first one uh, above his head so yeah, don't remind me of that one yeah. first got bat- batted nine wickets i remember that you Ooh. were there for it of well, course you were terrible <laughs> i watched it on tv yeah man, but uh, yeah. i i uh, yeah i mean i i love this game i think you know, T20 cricket is going to be the vehicle by which we spread the game. We continue to spread the game. I know they've talked about sort of T10 possibly for the Olympics as well, but I'd love that. I mean, I follow associate and affiliate teams around the world. Like I've always been sort of Japan's like a home away from home type thing for me. So I always keep an eye on the Japanese team. I'm also really tempted to buy their shirt, even though it costs sort of, when you factor in shipping, it'll work out to be about 75 quid. For the oh, Japanese national team, that's not worth. Uh, sorry, that, that's what, uh, in comparison, that's amazing for what it would be. Hundred yeah, percent, take it, mate. I don't make as much money as you think I do. <laughs> <laughs> one final question. One final question. Be realistic. Who do you think is going to go and win this year's T Twenty Blast? Because there's a team in the south that are looking very, very strong at Hyderabad. Yeah, uh, you're not talking about Middlesex, sadly. I've, unfortunately not, no. You never know, it could be the greatest Lazarus comeback we've ever seen. But, Oof, you know. Losing eight out of eight, I can't see a way back there, sadly, for Esky and the boys. But um, Because, of course, though I am an honorary bear, my team yes. is uh, the Sea Axes, uh, the Middlesex. I don't know if they go, I don't know what they go by now. Sea Axes is the technical nickname, but they mm. used to have Panthers, they had Crusaders at one point. Middlesex Crusaders, those were the, 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 yeah. that was the year that they won it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't buy that shirt, no. oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I reckon, I mean, you're right, like Somerset is very hard to look past, but I think in the North group, um, there's a lot of like tightly contested stuff it's going ridiculously on. ridiculously tight. Isn't yeah, it? I think the North group is, I think the winner will come from the North group in the end. Um, it could be the Bears. It's not impossible that it could be the Bears. They've got, got a very strong team. But if I was just trying to give you a really, really objective pick, I'd probably say not. Yeah, they're looking strong, aren't they? The yeah, they're that looking... top order, the bowling attack, and just something about Samit Patel. <laughs> something about Samit Patel. Do you know what? That's a fantastic way to leave this chat. Atif Dawaz, thank you so much for giving up so much of your time to chat to us here on the T20 Blast podcast. Anytime, my pleasure. So there you have it, our interview with Artif Nawaz and a massive thank you to Artif for taking so much of his time to sit down with myself and chat all things white ball cricket and the T20 Blast in particular. But don't fret, Cam McFarlane will be back on our next episode, which will be previewing all the fixtures from Friday the 16th, Saturday the 17th and Sunday the 18th of June as the T20 Blast returns after a break for the county championship. We will see you on Friday the 16th of June for our preview pod, but from myself, Jalapin, and on behalf of Cam McFarlane, and also from our guest, Artie Bawaz. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.